I'm not perfect. I'm super flawed. All those issues that I masked with the alcohol, like they're here now and I've got to deal with them on a daily. And let me tell you something, it is not easy. I get depressed. I get frustrated, irritable, restless, discontent. All of the things that when I felt them before, well, hey, I can ice them out with some beers, right? Now I have to kind of straight up deal with them. And it's a challenge and life is hard and life is not fair. This is Glenn Tatro. The way I operate and I think the way most people want to operate is they want to do something about it, but sometimes they don't know how to get started. And if I can get somebody started, I've done my job. What's going on, everybody? I'm Nate Ledger, and I want to welcome you back to another episode of Changing Course. Glenn's upbringing in Western Mass was characterized by a supportive family environment. There was no presence of alcoholism, bullying, or childhood trauma. However, Glenn was introduced to alcohol at the young age of eight years old. In high school, Glenn's days were filled with basketball, baseball, and drinking. His talent in both sports secured him a basketball scholarship to Bryant College, and he was also drafted by the Gulf Coast Orioles, the Baltimore Orioles minor league team in Florida. However, partying became a priority, leading Glenn to losing his scholarship and being released from the minor league baseball team in the same year. Despite the challenges of constant drinking, he enrolled at the University of Southern Maine. He persevered and ultimately graduated with a degree in social work. But this isn't a story about Glenn's past. His journey is not defined by the mistakes he's made. Each setback, each disaster played a crucial role in his transformation and guided him to a new course. I've been arrested three times for OUI. I think the first one was in 03. The second one was in 2010. Then seven years later, it was like these weird seven-year increments, 2003, 2010, and then 2017 is what got me my change in course. Glenn's story is about the complexities of substance abuse, redemption, and the transformative power of self-reflection. I had a neighbor who I was really close with. We both played music together. He was crazy. He still is. I love him. He lived right under me. He was became basically my best friend, but we were really just drinking buddies, played music and we drank. We were the best drinkers together. Well, his sister had passed away from a, an overdose, which was pretty devastating. She, she was an addict. And so my friend devastated. I was just trying to console him and the best way I knew how was to, to drink with him and to just be there. And a funeral was gonna be on uh, July 3rd in Bangor. And we were in Old Orchard. And so he was gonna drive up there and I was just gonna accompany him. So I was kind of letting loose. I thought, well, he's driving. I'm gonna drink some beers, no big deal. Well, his car wouldn't start, and he wanted to take my Jeep. Well, next thing you know, I kind of caved, and uh, he drank all the way up. The bottom line, we didn't find the funeral. We, we ended up being so screwed up, we, we went to the wrong cemetery, and we missed it. He's such a fuck-up, he couldn't even get to his sister's funeral. Imagine how devastated. So, we go from Bangor to... Uh, Lincolnville. I knew I shouldn't be behind the wheel at this point. This guy got out of my vehicle in Lincolnville and disappeared. And I thought, okay, 
I got to get it together. I ended up taking like a two hour nap in my vehicle and woke up and this guy's gone. I'm like, man, I'm in Lincolnville. I got to get back to Old Orchard. You know, beautiful day out. I start driving away. I leave him there. I don't know where he is. And I get 20 minutes down the road and he calls me and says, you left me here. I turn around, pick him back up. I drive all the way back to Brunswick. This guy says, pull over. Um, I want to get a few more beers for the ride home. He goes into the store. The guy wouldn't sell him beer. And so he throws a hissy fit at the clerk, gets down like the karate kid and everything. So I'm in the I'm, I'm in the vehicle. I see my buddy getting accompanied out by a couple of clerks. I'm like, get your get in the vehicle. We gotta go. And we jumped in and I never really gave it much thought. I, I thought, well, if they call the police, we're already gone, you know. We went down the highway and got yanked over in South Portland by the state police who were very interested in talking to us. My passenger was still being an idiot. He's the one who should have went to jail, but I was driving. So here we are, 2017, July 3rd. I'm going to jail again. So I was totally at rock bottom and made the decision right then and there like that I was going to get alcohol out of my life. We were getting a divorce. <laughs> like, why am I doing this? You know, what What am I doing? I, I had this whole thing in life. Like I was good to other people. I was a great worker at whatever I was doing. I and But like I was destroying myself and making terrible decisions and getting involved in toxic relationships. So yeah, I was done. I said, I'm going to, and I'd been sober before, man. I'd done short periods, but this one was like, you're done, dude. And I told everybody what happened. I didn't hide it. And I said, I'm, I'm going to get sober. And that was uh, six years and I think three months ago. I always said good police officers are the ones that have been arrested. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you get straight yeah. age officers out on the street that have never been through the process, have never grown up in the hood, have never like made bad decisions. To me, they don't have the full spectrum of what's going on mm. and they can't empathize with that person on the other side of the cruiser because they've never been there. Yeah. And especially in this social work field, like I think uh, the more life experience you have, uh, the more effective you are with people. Because when they tell you, hey, man, you don't understand. What do you know? If you've been through it, it's like, well, wait a second. I've got a story too. And you, you don't always have to share it with people, but you can certainly convey when you're dealing with them that you've you've had some struggles too. If I ever self-disclose with a client, I better be sure that my self-disclosure is going to benefit that person and not me. I don't want to talk to them about me just to make myself feel better. I want them to understand, hey, I, I've been there. Um, I know what it's like. I might not know exactly what your situation feels like, but I can relate. My conversation with Glenn revealed a deep sense of empathy. Without making excuses for his past, he acknowledges the need to seek reconciliation. He understands his shortcomings, recognizing the impact of his actions on others. Like I, I, I always had alcohol. Alcohol would never let me down. 
would always be there for me. So yeah, you already know what, where you've gotten from alcohol, right? Um, you don't know the other side yet. So be someone willing to go to the other side and, and find out what that's like. And thank God I did. Glenn doesn't just say he's committed to helping others like some politician glad handing. Glenn is much more interested in real connections and authentic relationship. It's like when you can release who you used to be and become somebody new tomorrow, that feeling is incredible. And I was scared shitless too. I I was really scared. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, I can't have fun anymore. All the traditional things people think about when they give up a drug or alcohol. What am I going to do now? Who am I really going to be? And But this journey has been nothing short of phenomenal. I want to talk about that triumph now. Can you dive into some of that? What kind of feelings are you feeling now? Like, are you happy doing what you're doing now? If you would have told me back six years ago that I would like own a home, I would have laughed at you. I bought my house here in Old Orchard and I live on the beach. And like this opportunity opened up for me. And if I were drinking, I wouldn't have this house. I've continued to be able to do the work that I love to do and, and now do it with like authenticity, whereas before... I could still deal with people that were addicts and everything and give them the best advice. But like, sometimes it didn't feel as authentic because I was the guy going home, going mountain biking with my friends and then drinking a 12 pack. I feel better physically. I've lost a bunch of weight. I bloated out like Elvis, man. People didn't even recognize me. It's just sort of thwarted me into this savage category and that's exactly what I feel like a savage I'm 52 years old and I get after it you know and I've had all these opportunities come down the pipe and yeah super blessed to uh to have gotten this opportunity and then to work with all these guys up there they're they're great um they're good human beings like I feel like I feel I'm right where I belong today Glenn works with a police department as an alternative response liaison Think of it as a mental health social worker that helps people from going to jail, because often jail is the worst solution for those that need more focused support. But even after almost seven years of sobriety and having a great job and getting his life back on track, Glenn battles to stay the course. This is all sort of new to me. I still have amends to make with other people. I feel like I've wronged some people along the way that that I need to get back to and to to own that. but so many people have helped me. I, I, I could go on and on with the amount of people that have helped me to get where I am right now. There are really good people that can make really bad mistakes and still be really good people. Does that make sense? Human beings fuck up all the time. And you have to give yourself this permission to forgive. You have to give yourself permission to live on. And you have to give yourself permission to become a, a better version of you. Absolutely. And you got to want it. That's the thing. You got to want these things. They're not going to knock on your door and say, hey, let me take care of this problem for you. Um, you got to get out there. You got to get motivated and, and you got to do what you got to do. Otherwise, you're just cheating yourself. That's that's how I that's how I feel about it. How do you stay on track with that with that mantra? 
man, I'm up every morning, I'm running, I'm biking, I'm surfing. The ocean basically saved my life. Um, moving down here to the beach, it was important to me to be able to paddle out on a big day, right? And I can't do that if I'm drinking and, and, and ripping heaters because I was a smoker too. I had to give up the cigarettes too. So those that say they can't quit cigarettes, that's bullshit too, just so you know. <laughs> so yeah, I just try to get after it as much as I can and stay fit and be humble. And because um, I'm, this, the stories that you had on previously, like those stories are amazing, man. My, I'm really nobody. I am nobody. I'm just a guy, man, that squandered a lot of opportunities and somehow crawled his way back back got my head back up out of the sand you know what i mean but there are other people out there that truly like have changed course you know i just needed to i just needed to i just needed to wake up and so every day you find a purpose that's higher than yourself and you hell yeah i'm a high i'm a higher power guy i'm not like huge into aa i did do a lot of aa in the beginning because some friends surfaced out of the woodwork some sober friends and and the program is excellent. I don't rely on it, but I do utilize some of their principles, but spirituality, man, I'm big believer and I'm learning as I go too. learning as I go along. And I feel like I have all this room in front of me to evolve because I'm, that's what I'm doing right now, evolving on a daily basis. That opportunity to evolve, do you look for it in the morning or do you wake up and just let the quantum field or the whatever it is out there how do you how do you evolve how do you stay committed to that opportunity well our gratitude right i'm waking up and i'm full of gratitude like um i'm lucky to have this day i'm lucky to have a purpose i'm fortunate enough i might get to help somebody right and if i can help somebody and be kind and compassionate to somebody who's struggling like i'm winning you know what i'm saying that's it and so i know exactly what you're saying and that's the attitude i bring to work and to life now and 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 i think we need so much more of that in society yeah so much more there's a lot of misunderstanding with addiction and you know we're we 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 can be judgmental you know we and, and we can be fearful I just try to do the best I can, and um, I'm surrounded by awesome people, which helps, right? I'm just stoked to be to be alive um, and to be able to have the opportunities that I have now and have a clear head, right? Not going, what the fuck did I do the night before? Why is my face beat up? <laughs> hey, and here's the good thing. It works. Like, alcohol works until it doesn't. Like, <laughs> um but it's the best self-medicating stuff out there. You know, it's, it works until it doesn't. That's all I can say. If you're making poor decision after poor decision, or you're getting behind the wheel, like it's not working for you. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm just lucky that I never hurt anybody. Like you said, good people can make bad decisions, right? And so I, I am lucky, man. I'm lucky I'm alive. I'm lucky I didn't hurt anybody. And that's another piece of waking up every day. So I do like a self-check every once in a while. Because alcohol is so prevalent in my family and it's in my DNA and I love it, I have to self-regulate. So there's times where I'll just go cold turkey and just say, I'm not drinking. And I'll go 75 days, uh, 30 days. I'll just randomly just stop drinking so I could prove to myself, I guess. I don't know what it is. 
I just want to know that I have control over the situation. Yeah. And that's what's important. Like I never woke up and needed alcohol. I was just the guy that when I drink, I don't stop. I don't want two or three beers, man. I want 23 years. And and then I want to go lay down and pass out. And just the way I drink, the way I do a lot of things, it's, I go full tilt, man. I'm, I'm on or I'm off. Yeah. Yeah. So So, I guess it comes down to self-recognition, knowing who you are and what makes you tick. So important. Reflecting, right? Self-introspection, like gratitude, all of those things. And take a chance at becoming somebody new. This process, as you probably are aware, it's not you putting pressure on me. It's myself. And I still, again, struggle with um, low self-esteem. Believe me, when I shut the light off at night, I beat myself up better than anyone else could. This is kind of a scary process for me. I've never talked about this stuff with really with anybody. And I think you're doing a hell of a job. I want to thank you uh, so much for coming on and even just telling your story is, is uh, I know for a fact that it's going to help somebody. I respect what you're doing. I had so much anxiety. I was going to call you and cancel because that would be the old me. Yeah. And I would have grabbed a 12 pack too while I was canceling. Sure, you. sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I think uh, Sinatra said one of the biggest lessons in life is just don't be scared to, to try, try things, you know? Don't be scared. So, be vulnerable and put yourself out there, man. That's uh, yeah. very commendable. Very commendable. I appreciate you and I appreciate the opportunity and uh, yeah, super grateful. I, I mean that. Well, if it means anything to you, you did a hell of a job. <laughs> oh, thank you. At one point during our conversation, Glenn shared a powerful quote that resonated with me so deeply that I had to write it down. He said, you have to be somebody who's willing to go to the other side. That means you have to sit quietly with yourself and ask yourself tough questions to get real answers and make serious course changes in your life to become a better version of you. It can be terrifying to stand up and face uncertainty head on. Glenn's story reflects the universal truth That transformation often means stepping into the unknown, facing anxieties, and finding the courage to navigate uncharted territories of personal growth. It entails the willingness to cross over to the other side and explore what lies beyond. I say embrace it. Why not, right? Many of us want a renewed sense of purpose in our existence. I'm always asking myself, why am I here? Why not see what happens? What if you took the dive into the unfamiliar territory, rebuilt relationships, took an honest look at the broken aspects of your life? Embracing that fear can serve as a steadfast companion on a transformative path. I want to thank Glenn for sharing his story, and I want to thank all of you for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us. The contributions go to the overall production costs and allow us to keep bringing you new stories. Every donation, no matter the amount, makes a huge difference and is greatly appreciated. Also, if you have a story you think we should know, reach out to us. We want to hear it. The Changing Course podcast is written and produced by Nathan Tower at Nonsensible Productions. Sound design and mixing by Kevin Shinstock at Groundswell. And Molly Nicholson manages all of our socials. I'm Nate Ledger. I want to thank you for listening. Later. I'll, I'll help somebody. Hey, if I go to a house and somebody's struggling and they need a gallon of milk, like I'll go get a milk, you know, whatever the situation calls for, um, I'm going to do as long as it's, you know, like 
clinically sound.